0: Faith. The final frontier. These are the voyages... That's <sighs> nah, it's ridiculous, although that's where most people take this topic, to science fiction. Faith. What is it really? A magic feeling that we get to help us through tough times? A mystical bridge between fact and fiction? Is it really blind? Is it a word we use when we can't explain ourselves? Is it real on any level? Let's investigate. Hypothetical. A person says to you, I sure do wish I could believe in millibuggins like you do, I just don't have that kind of faith. Well... What that person is really saying is that millibuggins aren't real, and you are the type of person who believes in unreal things, and it takes this strange faith thing that not many other people have for you to get there. Okay, in the nicest way possible, then, this person is calling you insane, or at best, just a little nutty. So you have this odd capability of believing in something you desperately wish to be true, but you just can't be sure if it is. However, since it makes you feel better, it's worth it for you. Well, that pretty much sums up what faith means to most people. In other words, the stronger your faith, the more ridiculous the belief must be, because after all, a little faith helps you believe in things that probably aren't true, so then that really powerful faith will be the kind of faith you absolutely know something isn't true, but you still believe it anyway. Thus, faith is reduced to some blind anecdotal act that magically suspends disbelief of reality in order to make you feel better. But you gotta wonder. Is this really the kind of faith the Bible talks about? Let's look at the word again, okay? Let's refocus. The Bible refers to faith really in only one way. It's like this. Suppose I say, I have faith that my friend will repay me the 10 bucks he owes me on Saturday because he said he would. See, there's nothing strange about that faith, that nobody would fault me for having it if they knew my friend. Because what I'm saying essentially are three things. One, my friend is real. Two, he's trustworthy. And three, which is really a subset of two, I believe one and two because I have a relationship with my friend. Now for just a second, let's get morbid to make a critical illustration. What if my friend died on the way to give me my 10 bucks back? He didn't come through. No matter how much faith I had in him, how real and completely trustworthy he may have been, he didn't have the power to live up to my faith. Was he really any less trustworthy or any less real? No. But the person or object on which I place my faith is an essential part of how strong my faith should be. I mean, how much faith do you have that your two-year-old basset hound can drive your new Lexus to the bank and bring you back $1,000 in 20s? None, I hope. But now, turn that analogy of my friend and your dog toward God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, eternal, and incapable of lying, and ask yourself this, on whom does it make the most sense to place your greatest faith? Well, I'll tell you. Anyone who has a right relationship with God, and quite honestly, anyone who doesn't, knows he is the only one capable of doing everything he says, the only one with the knowledge of the future, the only one who understands everything, the only one who really knows you, and the only one who has revealed through nature and his word who he is and what he's done, how much he loves you, and why he is the only completely trustworthy one there is. Got it? Good. In summary, then, faith in God is always a response to truth and reality and has nothing to do with blind leaps, the USS Enterprise, or wishful thinking. Trust me.
1: Well, hey everybody! So good to see you. Thank you for being here, for all of you, guests and regular attenders here in Plymouth. So glad you're here, and for those of you at Northridge Brighton, Northridge Celine, Northridge Groceo, we're just so thankful that you're here. I, I, we don't say it often enough that you are here, a part of this community that we get to do life together, is such a meaningful experience. And I am just so happy to be sharing the book of James with you in this series. So thanks, everybody, and that video i thought really captured the idea of what james jim is talking about through his letter to us this weekend the issue of faith and i have to tell you i've been a follower of jesus for over 4 decades and i've been a pastor for over 3 decades and here's what i've noticed there there are a ton of people who claim to have faith in in jesus whose lives are seemingly no different from those who claim to have no faith in Jesus. I mean, they claim to have faith in Jesus. You know, they sing the songs, and they talk the talk, and they know the lingo, but, but there's no indication of any life change. And what's interesting is this is not a 21st century phenomenon. James talked about this issue as being a problem in his world. In fact, he wrote about it in his letter to us. Look what he says in James 2, beginning with verse 14. He says, what, what good is it, my brothers, if a, if a man claims to have faith and has no deeds? I mean, they claim to have faith, but it's not evidenced in a transformed life. Can, can that kind of faith, the kind of faith that doesn't even change their lives, really save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but, but does nothing about his physical needs? What good is that? Of, of what value does that have? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by life change, by an outworking of that faith, by action, then that kind of faith is dead. The question Jim asks is a tough one in that passage. He's, he's asking, what is faith without life change worth? I mean, you know, of, of what value does faith have that doesn't change the way we live and who we are? What is faith without life change worth? And his answer is even tougher than the question. He says, faith without life change is worth Nothing. Nothing. It's dead. It's useless. It's, it's a waste. You might as well have faith in the Easter bunny or Bigfoot or in something that, that doesn't even exist. I mean, you might as well put your faith in that because if it's not going to have an impact, what good is it? And so the, the truth that Jim is getting to here is simply that authentic faith, a real faith, a A living faith in Jesus results in significant life change. I mean, significant life change. It it totally transforms our life. He goes further. Look at James two verses eight, verse eighteen. But someone will say, "You have faith, I have deeds." They'll separate them like they're different things. Well, I have faith, you have deeds. No. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do, by the outworking of it in my life. And then verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without life change, without deeds, is dead. Of what value is faith without life change? It's of no value. It's worthless. And yet isn't that... What we see as we look at the landscape of Christianity very often, quite frankly, it's what I see sometimes in me, a person who speaks words of faith and sings songs of faith and knows the cliches of faith and the principles of faith, but his life doesn't necessarily measure up to it. And in the first talk in this series called Jim, we saw that the the one writing this very personal and relevant letter, James, we call him Jim, was really the half-brother of Jesus. And so he literally grew up in the same family context as, as Jesus. Can you imagine, even though he didn't buy into Jesus before the resurrection, can you imagine how many times he heard Jesus say this thing and then... When it truly transformed his life, he started saying the same thing. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, we find very clearly Jesus saying this. He says, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. He's simply saying, it's by the life change they demonstrate. It's by the transformed difference in their life that you're going to recognize that they are true followers of me, that their faith is real or not. And then what Jim does is he gives us two examples of, of a, from a very wide spectrum. He, he first jumps to Abraham as an example. And this is right in his letter if you go through chapter 2. He, Abraham was the patriarch of faith. He's the father of faith. He's the one that the Jews look to for authoring faith. And look what Jim says. He says, you foolish man, verse 20, do, do you want evidence that, that faith without life change is useless? Well, look at Abraham. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And if you don't know the Bible very well, Abraham was following God and trusting God, but then God gave him a test to see how great his faith was. And the test was this. I want you to put on the altar of sacrifice the fulfillment of promise that I've given you. God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child and this child would become the the father of all the people of Israel, of all the Jews. And Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 and it still hadn't happened. And, And yet then Isaac was born. This promise was fulfilled, it was a miracle. What they had prayed for and longed for and trusted for so long happened there he was, this child, and then God says, do you trust me enough now to offer the answer that I've given you, the child of promise, and Abraham came through, he was willing to put Isaac on the, on the altar of sacrifice, and of course God didn't demand him to be sacrificed, that's not what God was wanting, he was wanting to this. do you trust me that much, to do that which is unreasonable. And Abraham did. And what Jim is saying here is it was by what he did that he demonstrated how deep his faith was. That's why we follow him. That's why he's a patriarch. And he even goes further. He says he proved his faith by his actions. And you see that his faith and his actions were working together. He didn't have faith without actions or actions without faith. No, his actions came from his faith. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And He's simply saying, look at when you have a faith that transforms your life, it, it shows up in what you do. Authentic faith changes our lives in significant ways. Now, faith alone is enough to save us. In fact, faith is the only thing that can save us because we've already failed for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and Jesus is the only one who's lived the perfect life, but then he did something interesting. He, he died in our place on that cross and was buried and rose again, and it's through faith in him that we can be forgiven of our sin. It's through faith in him that we can find new life. I mean, faith alone saves us, but get what Jim is saying here. Faith that saves us is never alone because the faith that saves us so transforms us that we can't help but show it. When our faith is genuine, it reveals itself in how we live. We demonstrate a life that trusts God. The question is, are we demonstrating the life change that comes with faith or are we just speaking words of faith and singing words of faith and telling stories about faith and claiming faith or are we experiencing genuine life change like Abraham and and then Jim does something interesting because Everybody knew Abraham was a man of faith. He was the patriarch of faith. He was the the father of all the Jews. He was someone everyone looked to. So, Jim says, but this isn't just for people like Abraham. He then gives us the illustration of Rahab. Rahab, look at verse 25. James says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? I don't know if you noticed, this is almost blasphemy, you would think. It's like, Abraham was righteous, yes, but he was a patriarch. Rahab's righteous, but she was a prostitute. But see, faith doesn't just transform the good. Faith transforms anyone with faith, and faith is what then makes them different. Righteous, And that happened to Rahab. And that can happen to us. It's interesting to me that Jim includes an older believer, a patriarch whose life was changed by faith, and a newer believer, a a prostitute whose life was changed by faith. It's interesting, he introduces a Jew that everyone believed could know God, and then he introduces a pagan, someone who wasn't a Jew, as someone who could know God, and he introduce both to illustrate the same truth it's a truth that we need in the 21st century you see he's making it clear that that this truth that authentic life change results in significant change because of what faith accomplishes in us he's communicating this truth that it's not just for new believers it's for all of us very often we sit in church those of us who have been believers a while and we think wow this is a good message for all those new people and this is a good message for those who don't know Jesus and this is a good message for them and this is a great message for my husband my wife says that all the time and my it's like this is a great message for my kid this is great but do you realize that this is not a message for others this is a message for each of us whether we're like Abraham and been on the journey a long time or we're like Rahab and we're coming out of a world of brokenness we need this in fact for me Even after 40 years of following Jesus, I have to tell you, when I'm genuinely living by faith today, I'm still changing. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done in me. You know what happens when I'm on a daily basis really trusting in Jesus? You know what's happening? I'm becoming more and more like Him. I mean, I'm loving a little bit more like Him and I'm forgiving a little bit more like Him, I'm compassionate more like he is and generous more like he is because I'm trusting in him. But, but you know, when I'm not changing, it's a clear sign that I'm not living by faith today. And if you're at all like me, you probably have greater seasons when you're not changing than when you are. In fact, if you're like me, you can go a very long time without seeing a demonstrable change in your life which means that you're not living by faith in those days. You're living by routine. You're talking about faith and singing about faith and doing the habits of faith, but you're not living in faith because you can't live in faith without it changing you. I have to tell you, this challenges me. And so I've had to learn to consistently ask myself, am I changing or am I remaining pretty much the same? Because that helps me to know whether or not I'm really living by faith or not. I I have often taken the verse that Jesus gave us that says, by their fruit you'll recognize them, and I've applied it to others. I look at you and I go, oh, yeah, it's obvious that they're people of faith. And I look at others of you and I go, oh, it's obvious. They're not, right? But do you realize that's just as true about me by the fruit and character and behavioral patterns of my life I can see whether there's faith or not. When you look within, is your faith authentic? Or is it make-believe? Are you creating the image of someone who has faith but you're still empty inside or are you experiencing the transformed power? This is a big deal. And, And so what Jim does here is in this personal letter challenging us to really experience the abundance that God has for us by by not having a, a, a incomplete faith but an authentic faith he, he gives us a principle that explains a lot he he tells us that authentic faith flows from the heart and not the head authentic faith flows from the heart not the head and look at what he says in James 2 19, you believe that there's one God good I mean this is if he's in the 21st century he's going Ooh, you believe that there's one God. High five. Give me a pound. Awesome. You know, that's what he's doing. But then he goes, you better stop the celebration because even the demons believe that. Even the demons believe that Jesus is God, the creator of the world, the Lord of the lords. Even they believe that. Even they retain that knowledge. In fact, they... In their heads, retain the knowledge that Jesus is God to such a degree that Jim says they shudder. Got a question for you. When was the last time your belief in Jesus made you shudder? I don't even know what that is, shuddering. Do you? I don't know. Hair raising on the back of your head, goosebumps popping up, you know, shudder. But whatever it is, they literally believe so much in their minds. They know Jesus, the Son of God, that they're, they're afraid of him. They live in terror of him. They shudder. They have deep respect for his power. They're not deceived. But they're still demons. Why? Because they believe here. They haven't surrendered here. Authentic faith flows from the heart. It's not about what we know and what we embrace and the philosophies we engage. It's genuine faith says, What I believe about Jesus, I'm giving my heart to. He's my Lord, He's my leader, He's the one I'm following. He knows best. I don't know best. And so, authentic faith flows from the heart, not the head. Is that where your faith's coming from? I, I don't know about you, but, but as I look at the landscape of Christianity, as I look at the landscape of our lives, I, I think most of us have most of our faith right here, but not here. Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are transformed, are justified, are saved. And it's with your mouth then that you confess you're saved. Of course. Because the Bible tells us it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so if my heart is transformed, what's my mouth going to do? Speak it. Jesus is Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. This explains how we can know so much about the scripture and about Jesus and look so little like him. We can know so much about the love of Jesus but love so little. We can know so much about the forgiveness of Jesus but forgive so little. We can know so much about the generosity of Jesus but give so little. The question is how... Does how you look and does how you live match how much you know about Jesus? Does how you look and how you live match what you sing about him and what you say about him and what you know about him? I mean, many of us have taken catechism or Sunday school or Bible studies and we've sat in talks like this and we know so much. Does does what you know outweigh what you're living? It does for me, to be honest with you. And it's because my faith is greater in my head than it is in my heart. In fact, my faith owns my head. I, I mean, all of my values are formed here, And. I mean, the the choices that I think are important are formed here, and the values that I have in this world, what I think is significant formed here, but, but it hasn't all moved here. Has it for you? No wonder my life doesn't change as much as it should. So the application that he gives us is pretty simple. If we're going to experience life as God designed it, you know, abundant life now, not just, you know, eternal life later, then we have to continue to have authentic faith we must have living faith and paul really addresses this in second corinthians thirteen five. he says examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith test yourselves on it don't you realize that christ jesus is in you Wait, here's what he's saying you, you should be testing your faith because if your faith is authentic don't you realize that jesus is in you you know what that means right that if your faith is genuine that means hope is in you it doesn't mean it doesn't matter that despair is in the world if if Jesus is in you if your faith is real Jesus is in you which means joy is in you it, you don't have to get joy from the circumstances of the world if Jesus is in you if your faith is real then love is in you 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 don't need to be receiving love from others to be giving love because love is in you do you see it's It's in you, but then he says, unless, of course, you fail the test. And I think, and I'm being honest about me, I'm going to include you. I think most of us fail the test. You know, we we don't examine our faith. Oh, yeah, I'm a person of faith. Oh, yeah, I have faith. I believe this. I believe this. I believe this. so easy to say, but the question is, is our life demonstrating that transformation? So we have to examine ourselves. And since this isn't really about me giving you a a talk, this is about me inviting you into a conversation that I'm having with God, I I thought I'd share with you three questions that have become invaluable to me as I examine my faith. Because I don't want to be a person who makes declarations of faith but doesn't experience the transformation of faith. I don't want to be a person who tells you about faith, but doesn't experience the impact about faith, I, I don't want to live that kind of emptiness, do you? And so I examine my faith, and where am I at? And here's the first question I find that helps me to examine my faith. I, I ask myself, have I experienced authentic faith? And you'd have to ask that personally of yourself, have I experienced authentic faith? Have you experienced authentic faith? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this, this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. See, faith alone saves us. It really saves us, but once saved, we're not the same. Have you experienced authentic faith? Now, I've already admitted that I'm not always living in a faith that's showing itself in in a changed life but I'm going to tell you that I can answer this question with an unequivocal absolute 100% yes have I experienced authentic faith yes he's changed who I am on the inside he's changed everything about me on the inside he's forgiven the guilt and the shame I'm no longer defined by the failure I was but I I'm now defined by the forgiveness I've received. I talk to a lot of people about this issue of faith, and a lot of people say, oh, I've I've been a person of faith my whole life. Been a person of faith. No, you haven't. You might have been born Catholic or Baptist. You might have been born Methodist or Presbyterian. That doesn't mean you've been a person of faith all your life. Well, I went to catechism. Who cares? So did I. I didn't understand one piece of that stuff, did you? The question is, have you experienced authentic faith? Not do you know about faith. Have you experienced its transforming power in your life? Has it changed who you are on the inside? If not, you're missing the real deal. You're, you're living a life that's hard to live, where you pretend that it's real. And many people are living Christianity just like they, those who claim other fairy tales are real. You're, you're pretending it's true. You're pretending the words have meaning to you, but they don't. Why would you live there when you can have the real thing? It starts by experiencing faith and If you're already a believer, you have experienced authentic faith. You say, I've already experienced forgiveness. Boy, that's great. So let me ask you the same question in a different way. Are you now experiencing genuine faith? Because I have experienced genuine faith, but I'm not always in the present tense experiencing genuine faith. it's not enough to just have faith that jesus is your savior you have to have faith that he's your lord that he's right it's not enough just to believe that he's the lord we have to give our heart to that reality and if if you say yes that's where i am i'm experiencing genuine faith right now then let me ask you a question How has your life genuinely changed recently often i'll ask people Tell me what God's doing in your life. And they tell me a story of ancient history. Well, God answered a prayer one time, 322 years ago. Wow. Did you know God's not just alive in your past? He's alive in your present. How are you experiencing him? You're not if you're not experiencing genuine faith. Faith is not something we once did. Faith is something we need to now be living. Are you? And how is your life changing? And if it's not, you need to get this thing fixed. I have found that the older I get as a believer, the the more difficult it is to experience faith on a daily basis because because... When I was newer in the faith, man, it was all new, and I had to learn so much, and I, I was so far away from what he wanted me to be. I had to trust and trust and trust, but over time, do you know what's happened? I've kind of learned the routine. Haven't you? I kind of know the routine, you know, the, the little bit of Bible, a little bit of prayer, a little bit of church, a little bit of serving, a little bit of giving. Don't cuss too much, at least with the wrong people. You know, I got got it down. But that doesn't mean I'm experiencing the power of faith. In fact, I believe most of us are experiencing emptiness within as we present fullness without, but all we have to do is express faith again. Genuine faith. And that's where I want to live. Are you changing these days? Are you genuinely experiencing faith these days? If not, this is your moment. And this isn't just a moment for those of you who have yet to experience faith. This is a moment for you. This is a moment where you can step from the life that you've been living into God's forgiveness, into God's transforming power. You can experience hope and joy and meaning. And I want to encourage you to pray with me, but for those of you who are already believers, I believe this is a moment for you too, where you step back into faith and you renew that faith so that you can start experiencing the reality of Jesus again. And if you're ready for that here in Plymouth or in our regionals or somewhere where you're watching around the world, would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment? And I want to encourage you to pray with me. Just in your heart, just take this step. And I'm taking it with you. Just, Jesus, I, I kind of do life on my own my own strength, and my own energy, and my own way, and because of it, I'm failing, empty. And so I'm trusting you. You died on the cross so that my sin could be forgiven. I confess my sin, and you rose again to give me new life, and so I'm putting my trust in that life. Help me in Jesus' name to experience it now. Amen. If you prayed with me, I, I, I want to encourage you to do something that isn't natural. Let me know. And it's not natural, because what happens, you come in and you go, okay, I can hide here. He doesn't even know I'm here. Yes, I do. But anyway, <laughs> but you can hide. And then you can make spiritual decisions, and I don't have to tell anybody, but see, that's, that's not true. Because if you make a spiritual decision to put authentic faith in Jesus, you can't help but tell someone you can't help it and I'm gonna ask you to let me be the first person in fact in your programs that we give you we give you these programs that say Jim on the inside is a thing we call a connection card and all you have to do is rip it out and it's an easy way to communicate to us about all the different things you're experiencing but for those of you who just prayed with me just fill this thing out and on the bottom Check one of those two statements. Maybe you just prayed for the first time to receive Jesus. Check that first one. Maybe you prayed to renew your faith and check that second one. And Don't be too proud to acknowledge that you did that thing. I've not been too proud to tell you I need this stuff. And then put it in the box as you leave. And not only will we celebrate you and pray for you, but we'll send you some information about more that you can be doing in your spiritual life. And if you're watching online, hit the What Next button, and we'll do the same thing for you. But then there's a second question. Once you answer, am I experiencing genuine faith, then, then you ask this question, are you evidencing authentic faith? Am I evidencing authentic faith? Here's how I like to look at it. Can those who know me best see Jesus more in me today than yesterday? Those who know me best. Now, it's easy to kid each other here, right? I can get on this platform and I can, ooh, St. Brad. But Roxanne sees demon Brad. So those who know me best, those who know you best, in fact, some of you, the people you work closest with don't even know you're a Christ follower. How does that work? How do you keep that? from showing itself. Well, when I go to work, I just pretend I'm as bitter as they are. Oh, that's a good way. I whine as much as they whine. I complain as much as they complain. I steal time as much as they steal time. I'm as lazy as they are, and no one can tell I'm a Jesus follower, including Jesus. (laughs) The question is, are you evidencing authentic faith? Is it Showing itself because once you experience salvation through faith alone, Ephesians 2.8.9, look what happens in Ephesians 2.10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, you can't help yourself. You're going to live it, are you? And finally, are you expressing authentic faith? Are you expressing it? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 10:32 and 33, "Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge them before the Father in heaven, because those who acknowledge me before men are the people who've been transformed so much they can't help themselves, but whoever disowns me before men, I will disown Him before my Father in heaven." What does someone do who genuinely finds love? They tell everybody. You would believe. Oh, crap, not one of those stories again, right? It's like when they genuinely find love, they're like. <laughs> Here's the question. Have you genuinely found the love of Jesus? Your love story with Jesus has so impacted your life, you can't help but tell some people? You see, because if you have authentic faith, you'll express it. Our mission here at Northridge Church is to wake the world up to Jesus. But did you know when you're awake to Jesus, you can't help but want to wake others up? We recently watched our grandkids for a week. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's weird. When one of those kids wakes up, they just feel like the whole world needs to be awake with them. Have you ever noticed this? It's like, I'll kill you, you wake them up. I'd rather be dead with them than alive without them. So they wake them up when you're awake to jesus you can not help but wake other people up to jesus because you want them to have the love you're experiencing so you show it you want them to know that the freedom that comes with truth that you're experiencing so that you tell them the truth that you want them to be involved in community like that and so you involve them but you know what happens when you're not awake to jesus you don't even notice other people aren't awake and so This issue of authentic faith, when we express authentic faith in Jesus, here's what happens. We wake up, and then we start waking others up. I'm going to ask you to imagine this. What what would happen in your life if you really started living a life of authentic faith? What would happen in this church if we all started living a life of authentic faith? I'm going to tell you, our lives in this church would be forever different, and everyone we touch would be forever different. We would become, everything Jesus said we'd become, we'd become the hope of the world. And so let us choose authentic faith for us, for the world. And when we do, there's just one reaction. We'll worship. So let's do it together.